return of the midweeks. Hello, dear friends. It's the midweeks, and it's Saturday, which means it's time for the playlist of God. It's time for our weekend psalm, and we're in Psalm 9. This is a great psalm, and it's a psalm that's really hope-filled. Obviously, the psalmist is going through some kind of trouble, but he's full of hope here. And he's particularly hopeful because he believes in God's just reign over the world. He believes that God knows how to uh, punish the wicked and to protect the oppressed and the righteous. And so David sings this psalm and it's quite hopeful. And you know what? We're in a crazy time. And one of the first things that we can forget is the fear of the Lord and to rejoice in his justice. Christians believe that both in this life to some degree, and ultimately, at the end of time, there will be justice. There will be total justice. Every human life will come before God for evaluation. And if there's been reconciliation with God through faith, through the blood of Jesus, there will be forgiveness for sins, finally um, displayed to all of heaven and earth, and there will be reward for acts of faith and obedience done in the name of Jesus. But we also have faith that the wicked, God's enemies, those who are unrepentant, those who identify themselves with sin and with the enemy, with Satan, will ultimately find a just punishment for their sin against God. And so this is our hope. Um, and sometimes we wait for it. And sometimes we see the beginnings of justice and ultimately are waiting for the return of Christ for it to be completely brought about. But in the meantime, we do have confidence that God is a God of justice and he responds in history, both to faith and to wickedness and unbelief. And so here's Psalm 9, David rejoicing this. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So here's his singing of psalms. He's rejoicing. This is the tone of the psalm. He's praising God. Verse 3, When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence. For you have maintained my just cause. You have sat on the throne, giving righteous judgment. You have rebuked the nations. You have made the wicked perish. You have blotted out their name forever and ever. The enemies came to an end in everlasting ruins. Their cities you rooted out. The very memory of them have perished or has perished. Okay, well, we'll stop there. He keeps going on from there. But you can hear that David is rejoicing in the Lord that the bad guys are getting what's coming to them. They attacked and they failed. They pursued and they stumbled. Their strongholds are wiped out because of God's justice, because God roused himself in history, because God acted in history, and now justice is being done by the living God on behalf of David, the king of Israel, and the forerunner of the Christ, the Messiah. Verse 7, the Lord sits enthroned forever. He has established his throne for justice, and he judges the world in righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. The Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Okay, so here is part of the theological intersection here. 
God is a God of justice. He's a just judge. And this proves to be bad news for the wicked, but great news for the oppressed and for those who put their hope in God. So David can rejoice that God is enthroned forever and that he judges with righteousness because he knows that God is a stronghold. So he's a, he's a castle. He's a place to find protection for the oppressed. And those who know him put their trust in him because he doesn't forsake those who seek him. So this is the, the, the faith intersection. God, people who know who you really are, they put their ultimate trust in you. They put their hope in you because they know that those who seek you can not seek God for wickedness, but seek him to be their protector and seek to be righteous like him. Those who seek you are never forsaken for, by God. And that's why we sing praise. And so in verse 11, he says, sing praises to the Lord who sits enthroned in Zion. Tell amongst the people his deeds for he avenges blood. For he who avenges blood is mindful of them. He does not forget the cry of the afflicted. Okay, so again, this is where this intersection is with God. His justice is useful to people of faith who turn to him for justice. His justice is threatening to those of unbelief who do wicked against God, wickedness against God. So with this in mind, in verse 13, he begins to pray, Be gracious to me, O Lord. See my affliction from those who hate me. O you who lift me up from the gates of death, that I may recount all your praises, that in the gates of the daughter of Zion I may rejoice in your salvation. So just a little side note there, daughter of Zion often means like Jerusalem or the cities around Jerusalem. The daughters of Zion are like, if Zion is the mother, then the daughters are the cities and the the towns around Jerusalem. But that's what that means. So here he is, he's praying, God deliver me so that I can praise your name. He knows that God is awesome. He wants to tell people God is awesome. The barrier to telling people that God is awesome is this threat he is experiencing. So this isn't just selfish. He wants to be a a praise evangelist of the Lord. And in order for that to happen, he needs God to have mercy on him and not let him be handed over to those who hate him. The nations have sunk in the pit they've made. In the net that they hid, Their own foot has been caught. So there's this sense of justice here. They dug a pit, they fell in it. They spread a net, they were caught by it because God is in control of events and history and whether or not people's evil plans succeed. The Lord has made himself known. He's executed judgment. The wicked are snared in the works of their own hands. Higeon, Selah. So these are some sort of musical notes. But you can see that justice is working itself out for David in history because God is in control. Verse 17, the wicked shall return to Sheol, all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten, and the hope of the poor shall never shall not perish forever. So this is, again, his theology and his faith here. So he ends off this psalm with some praise. He says, Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the nations be judged before you. Put them in fear, O Lord. Let the nations know that they are but men. Selah. And so he's praying at the end that the fear of the Lord would come upon the nations, that they would know that they're tiny, that they would know that their best laid plans are subject to God's justice and God can foil their schemes and turn their schemes back on their heads. And so they ought to come to God with humility, asking for forgiveness, and instead want to find in the Lord a refuge and a stronghold instead of a judge who wants to protect people from them. 
So here we are. We've read through Psalm 9. We are in a time of such an international upheaval, upheaval, and who knows what's happening next. But with confidence, we can join with David in saying, God, whatever happens, I am seeking my refuge in you. Be my protector, and would you please exalt your name, humble the nations, make everybody know that they're not in control. Let everybody know that there is a God in heaven who does justice, and let the people hear my praise and my confession of faith as I trust in you. That's David's heart, and be blessed.